Hey, Connie. Hey, Scotty. Nice to see you here. See you. It's so good to be here with you finally on our podcast, What Drives Her. Welcome to the What Drives Her podcast. This podcast is about the women who are changing the automotive industry from the inside. Each week, we will bring you a perspective from another woman in the automotive industry and the things that inspire her, the things that inspire us, and the things that are inspiring the entire automotive industry. Welcome to the What Drives Her podcast. I'm Scotty Reese. And And I'm I'm Connie Peters. Hi, Connie. Thanks for joining us. So the podcast, What Drives Her podcast, is the podcast that focuses on women who are changing the automotive industry from the inside. We are from A Girl's Guide to Cars, where we write about the automotive industry for women. We're the the main place where you're going to find cars written about on women's terms. So we have someone with us today. Our guest today is somebody who is really, really special because she spends her life in the trenches with dealers and with customers, helping customers to get the right car and the right deal on a car for themselves. Her name is Leanne Shattuck. And she is known as the car chick. And uh, Leanne is actually a car concierge. I did not know that there was such thing as a car concierge who you could hire to help you buy a car. That's really wild and also really helpful. Yeah, it is really helpful. And I think the thing that is amazing to me is that She's in there in the trenches with car dealers and in the car market all the time. Most people who are in the trenches are really there to protect that business Mm -hmm. because they want to separate you from your money. Right. And her goal is to help car buyers get the right car at the right price, which is incredible. I I cannot wait to hear this interview because I would love to learn more and how she does it and her inside knowledge. Yeah. And she is, she's very smart. I will say we talked to her before there was an auto worker strike. And so keep that in mind as you listen to the interview that uh, we talk a lot about the disruption of the last few years, but there was a false sense of security there for a moment that things were back to normal and now boom, there's an auto worker strike. So it seems that the disruption never ends. So with that, let's go to our interview with Leanne Shattuck, the car chick. Hi, Leanne. Hey, Scotty. How are you? I am very well. I'm very well. Thank you for being here. It's so great to see you again. Um, It's been the hottest summer on record. I hope you're uh, surviving that okay. You're in South Carolina, correct? I am. And yes, it has been not as hot as it's been for some other areas of the country, but we have that humidity. So I'm, I've never been more grateful for air conditioning in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an unprecedented year for many, many reasons, the weather being one of those. And I'm just going to jump right in because it's also been an unprecedented, yet another unprecedented year for automotive. And um, I'm hoping that what I think think I'm seeing on the horizon is what you're actually seeing. So before we jump in, though, but with 
with these with my questions because I'm you can tell I'm anxious to get to it. Um, let me let me give you a little more formal introduction. So Leanne Shattuck is the car chick, and Leanne, tell us what you do as the car chick. Sure, my primary business is helping people buy cars. So you can almost think of me like a real estate buyer's agent, but for cars. We help our clients first pick the perfect car based on their unique lifestyle, budget, and personality. Now also overlaid with the reality of the market conditions <laughs> and narrow it down to two or three cars to save them all of that research time because that can be very overwhelming. And then once we figure out what they want, new or used, we scour the country to find it, get them the best possible deal, handle their trade, their financing. There's about eight areas in any deal where the dealers try to make money off of you. And we look out for our clients in all eight of those areas to keep as many pennies in your pocket as possible. And then all they have to do is sign the papers and take the keys. So it also makes it easy. It's all about saving time and stress through the process. That is just the ideal way to buy a car. <laughs> you know, just figure out what you want and have someone do all the hard work for you. So um, that's how long have you been doing this? Oh, gosh. Since 2003. So 20 years. 20 years. 20 yeah. years. And what what sparked you to get into this business? Were you in automotive before? I had done consulting at automotive on um, my former business partner was in the automotive industry and she was one of the first female general managers of a dealership in the country and we just saw how many smart successful women still felt intimidated buying a car they would just rather have a root canal than listen to one more car dealer say honey can i show you the vanity mirror it's just such an unpleasant process what we didn't anticipate was how many men hated it too so from day one half of our clients had been men and we wanted to set up a model that was different in the marketplace than anything that was out there so that it would also benefit the dealers. We want to create a win-win. So no, the dealers are not going to make the same kind of profit on our deals, but they're going to sell a car they might not otherwise have sold. And it makes the process easy for them as well. So it's all about the win-win. Uh-huh. And so you do work with dealers um, and you work with dealers across the country. Um, and it, uh, what's give us a little more insight to what that's like so one question that we get all the time is if i buy a car from a dealer that's hundreds of miles away do i have to go there to get it serviced do you hear that question uh sometimes a lot of times i hear that question just if you're buying it in town do you have to do your service at the dealership where you buy your car absolutely mm -hmm. not the only situation that i've encountered literally last week and in 20 years, this is the first time I've heard of it. So I'm taking it with a little bit of a grain of salt. We did get a Toyota Supra shipped down to Charlotte from Fayetteville. And there was an issue. We actually think they may have put the wrong kind of gas in it on the drive down and it budged up a sensor. And my client took it to the Toyota dealership closest to them. And they said, because it has under 700 miles, it had to go back to the original dealership. That just sounded a little hinky to me. I think it's because their super technician wasn't working that day because supers have to be, there's a special technician because the super was built with BMW. Mm. And I just think they were kind of brushing them off. Fortunately, we bought it from a Hendrick store and we have a Hendrick Toyota store down here. So they're taking care of it. It wasn't a big deal, but that was the first time I'd heard that. But I am not entirely sure that's above board. I've never heard it before. <laughs> yeah. Dealers want your service business. They even want your warranty business. Not as much, but 
you can take it anywhere. And so it's um, it's interesting. You bring up a great point. They want your business, and that you're able to go anywhere. And you know, the, these are such good questions because people get really confused. Um, and then there are things like a dealer issued warranty that you do have to go back to that dealer to right. take advantage of that warranty. Um, that's not going to be in any dealer, but it can be very, very confusing. So. Another thing that's super confusing right now is the state of the market. It can be really hard to read. Is this a good time to buy a car? Is it a bad time to buy a car? Um, what does the market look like to you right now? And what do you advise? What are, what's your overall sort of general advice to car buyers? Absolutely. And confusing has been the word to describe the market for oh, about the last three years. And it literally has been changing from month to month, sometimes even week to week. So those of us that do this every day, you know, we're like, okay, so I wonder what it's going to be like this week shopping for cars. But the good news is we kind of have a good news, bad news situation going on right now. On the positive side, we are starting to see some better inventory levels. You can actually go onto a dealer lot and find new cars, not the you know, 400 new cars like you do in a normal market. And we're still a long ways away from the market, from the market being normalized again like that. But I actually bought a car that was on the lot and available in the same city as my client this week. <laughs> Wow. And I'll tell you that, I'm like, I can't tell you how excited I was. And I got a screaming good deal on it. It was a, a new brand new Ram truck. The MSRP was over $67,000. I got it for $59,500. And then on top of that, he had two 2013 Honda Accords to trade. And I got $27,000 for both of those. So basically, he was able to buy a $70,000 truck for $35,000 out of pocket. And that is the I cannot check. I did the happy dance. I was dancing around my office yelling. It was just so great. So it's nice to wow. see that. It was, I don't expect to get those every day, but you know, that was a fantastic, fantastic deal. There are some cars that you still have a really hard time getting. Um, the Toyota Sienna minivan. You've got a better chance of finding a unicorn. Most dealers are only still only getting four to five a month. Toyota's inventory has been. And I don't know, I haven't looked at the numbers to see if it's truly their inventory production is lower than everybody else, or if the demand is just so much higher. But most of my dealers that I've talked to even this week have said, yeah, we're only getting a four, maybe five Siennas a month from the factory. And we have a wait list of 400 people. So That's don't insane. plan on getting a Sienna, but a lot of other things are starting to become available. When's and that's the last great. time you heard demand for a minivan? Right. It's because it's redesigned <laughs> and it's a hybrid. And really the cars mm. that are harder to find, obviously, are the ones that are more electrified. Your hybrids, your plug-in hybrids, and your EVs. Everybody's mm. still moving in that direction. Everybody wants a hybrid now. And so those are just going to be harder to find. And that's where you might see the dealers still marking them up over MSRP. So it's just kind of a, it's a good news, bad news situation, but then you throw in interest rates are the highest they have been in probably at least a decade. Mm -hmm. New car rates are, you know, in the sixes or the sevens, even for people with perfect credit. And I mean, that's just, that makes me queasy. 
Me too. <laughs> so, you know, it, is it a good time to buy a car? Eh, but at least we're starting to see the, the market shift a little bit. And we're starting to see some, because interest rates are high, the manufacturers are starting to release some of those special APRs that we literally haven't seen in three years. I was so excited, especially for August. They plummeted. Like last month, I was seeing special APRs that were like 5% was a special rate or 6% was a special rate. But for August, with the latest Fed rate hike, now I'm starting to see a few models have gone back to 2.9, 1.9, 0.9. Nissan even has like 0% on some rogues. Buyers mm -hmm. just have to be aware because those incentives do not apply to all the trim levels. They may only apply to the lower trim levels where they have some inventory that they want to move. So you just really have to look at all the fine print when you're shopping around to make sure what does apply to the car you actually want. So those dealers and the manufacturers, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not really giving you anything when they give you that 0% financing. So what, what's the trade-off to the buyer? You just get a lower monthly payment and you're paying less overall for the car because you're not wasting money paying the bank. A high no, but I mean, is there uh, is the price less negotiable? Are they going to give you less on your trade in? Are they? You you already mentioned the trim. Um, are what are the, what are the other uh, restrictives that a buyer has to consider? So I mean, with that zero percent financing, you just talked about this RAM where you got you know ten thousand dollars off the MSRP. Is that is that Rogue with the zero percent financing going to be is, is the price less negotiable because of that financing? It shouldn't be because it doesn't cost the dealer anything to get that. That is being offered by their captive finance company. The manufacturer is essentially buying down the rate in order to sell more cars. Mm -hmm. And when I teach people how to negotiate, and certainly the way I do it, you negotiate the price of the car, the value of your trade, everything before you say, oh, let's take a look and see if I qualify. I should qualify for that 0% financing. Now, mm -hmm. the exception to that is sometimes the manufacturers will have conditional incentives. So they might offer a 0.9% financing or a $1,000 rebate, but you can't take both. Right. Or, and the American manufacturers do this the most, they may say, hey, well, there's here's another $500 or here's another $1,000 off if you finance through our finance company at our regular rates. And those rates are gonna be pretty high, but mm -hmm. if you're planning to pay cash, take that incentive finance with them and you can pay it off after 90 days and you're still making money essentially if you can get that extra rebate. So you have to look at the way the incentives are played. Now, if you're not looking at a 0% APR, if you're just looking at traditional financing, sometimes you can get a little bit better price on the car you're buying if you let the dealer shop your financing because they do make what's called a spiff basically a commission on the back end for selling that loan for the bank right. so you might get 500 off the car if you finance with them but i still always wait to the very end to discuss the financing and always come in with a pre-approval from your own bank or credit union in your back pocket yep yep that's what we say to get your financing lined up and outside of uh of the deal on the car and make sure that you know exactly what you want. Uh, get the car that you want at the price that fits your budget and then figure out your financing. For, yep. for, for what I do is I'd say to the dealer, here's my financing. If you can beat this, I'll go with you. But if you can't beat it, then I've already got my financing. Uh, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great strategy because the dealers can sometimes go back to the bank. They still make a little profit margin there. So they may be able to go to the bank and say, hey, if you want this, this is the rate we're going to have to beat and the bank will do that. So yeah, I yeah. teach all of those little, what I call insider secrets in my new online car buying course. I just brain dumped over the last year to get all that out there to teach people how I do it and a lot of the secrets that the industry doesn't want you to know. So you're doing it absolutely the right way, Scotty. We will we will leave a link to your uh, on, on your car buying class oh, thank uh, you. in our in our comments here. Yeah, because that's a great that's a great asset to have if you really want to negotiate yourself or if you want to know uh, if somebody else, you know, say uh, dear husband over there is says he's doing the negotiating. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I enjoy doing this. Okay. I want to know if you're, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing it right? You never know. You never know. You people will say they're doing something for you and they're going to do it right. And then they, then you find out they did it all wrong. <laughs> right. Especially with the market being yeah. confusing. And because I wrote the course, while the inventory was just so bad, I wrote the course with specific lessons on how to deal with the changing market situations and when there's inventory shortages. So no matter what's going on in the market, the strategies that I teach will 100% work. So one of the biggest shock factors of the last couple of years has been dealers getting selling cars for over MSRP over <laughs> the price on the window sticker. I know it makes me sick too. Um, and, and and actually, I mean, if you think about it, um, there's certain things in our lives that are not negotiable. You know, you go to the grocery store, you do not negotiate over the price of a tomato or <laughs> the cost of that basket of groceries. You go to a department store and you can shop regular price or sale price, but it's not a negotiable thing. Um, but when it comes to cars, not only is it is there a lot of negotiation, but it can also be very murky. And the MSRP is supposed to be the, you know, the window sticker is federal law that they have to display the price and everything that's included, all the equipment that's included in that price. And now uh, we, we've been seeing many, we've been seeing dealers adding a dealer markup and uh, premiums and other things, and especially for very popular cars. Are you still seeing this? And where do you see it and where don't you see it? Yeah, we're not seeing it nearly as much. You know, this time last year, we were still seeing on certain cars, markups of 5,000, 10,000, even 20,000. I busted a dealer out in Northern California for listing a RAV4 Prime for a 50% markup. It's a 40 something thousand dollar car and they were asking $96,000 for it. Yeah, I wow. reported them to the state and that got shut down. But <laughs> some states have price gouging laws. But even though the federal law says they have to display that window sticker, there's no law that says they actually have to sell the car at that price. MSRP stands for manufacturer suggested right. <laughs> retail price, <laughs> not manufacturer guaranteed retail price. Mm -hmm. So, but fortunately, with the inventory situation improving and the buying slowing down, the demand for cars is slowing down because of inflation and a lot of people got good deals before, just a lot of different economic factors going on where I'm still seeing markups. And thankfully, they're not in the 10 to 20,000 range, uh, which personally, I think anybody who paid that, you're crazy. Why, why would you do that? 
Um, don't let the dealers get away with it, but that's not a smart financial decision. But I'm still seeing a little bit of markups, you know, maybe 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 on electrified vehicles in markets where the demand for those cars is so high. Your New York tri-state market, California markets, but really push the dealers on that because a lot of them are still doing that because people have been used to it. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of trying to ride the coattails of that, but the market is changing. So, you know, don't, if I see a dealer is doing that, I'll just move right along to the next dealer. I won't necessarily call them or I will and be like, Hey, your markup is bogus. We're not paying it. Let's talk about a realistic price. So how do you know if they're trying to charge something over MSRP? I mean, it seems obvious to you and to me, but explain what people should look for to know if a car is priced fairly. Absolutely, there's two ways to do it. If the dealer is being very upfront about their dealer markups, and a lot of them are, it'll actually be on their website. So when you go to their website and you pull up the car you're looking for, and it'll say the price, some of them will actually say markup $39.95 or whatever. If they admit to it, that's great, move on. <laughs> or try to negotiate that away, like really guys, or you have to get into the negotiating process with them. What I'm still seeing the most of is dealers adding on accessory packages to the new car that they may or may not disclose on their website. And it's not until you really get into the detailed numbers where you see their such and such protection package, you know, $29.95. And you're like, what is that? You know, it's turtle wax and scotch guard for three grand no <laughs> and those things you should absolutely try to negotiate out or at least down you should not mm -hmm. be paying extra for especially the markups you know a package that they used to charge a thousand dollars for they're now charging three thousand dollars for it's the same stuff they're just jacking that up maybe because the owner of the dealership has said we will not sell cars over msrp but you can put these extra packages on. We're just not going to charge people money without giving them at least something in return. So right. that's where they kind of sneak it in. And that's why you have to look at all the numbers to find anything hinky. The way that I would look at this to know whether it's price fair is to compare dealer versus dealer. So if I'm searching for, I'm going to use a car that breaks my heart every day, the Jeep Wrangler. Um, <laughs> and why, and why are we laughing about that? Because that's one of the most marked up cars out there. They sell and one of the so, least reliable, which just kind of cracks me up. <laughs> it, it, right. It is. It's crazy. Um, it has reliability, um, reputational reliability issues. So, um, <laughs> definitely that and, uh, but people want it and I confess I want one too. But I look at them, I look, you know, I go to the manufacturer site, okay, just a base Wrangler, it's $35,000 or something. And you cannot find one at that price. You find a base Wrangler that's $42,000. And so that must be what it is. And so, uh, so if you find one in your market and it's higher and you decide to go and uh, venture that conversation with a dealer, um, you need to know exactly what the packages are. And the manufacturer will spell it out for you. You can go to the right. bill area on their site and you can see everything that the manufacturer offers. And then, uh, and then you can also see other dealers. So, you know, I'm in Austin, but I can look and see what dealers in Houston and Dallas and San Antonio are asking for that same car. And if the 
the dealer here in Austin is charged is wants a lot more for exactly the same thing, then I think what I say to him is, well, then I'll drive to San Antonio and get it there. It's not a big deal. Um, and then, you know, then you can try to win my service business, or maybe I'll just drive to San Antonio for that too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what I teach. No matter what the market is doing, you always need to shop around to multiple dealers. Let them know you're shopping around. Let them know mm -hmm. they have to compete, especially if there's only one dealer in your area. So I just bought an Audi Q3 for a client in Kansas and Derby, Kansas. <laughs> Didn't know there was a Derby, Kansas. And there's only one Audi dealership there. And the Q3 is one of the cars that's still very hard to find. And I was not getting a lot of traction, shall we say, with the dealer there. So I went to the other side of the state and over the line in Kansas City, Missouri to that Audi dealer. They had one coming in next week. Yeah, sure. We'll give you a little bit of a discount on it. We won't put any extra things on the car. And oh, yeah, you need a home delivery three hours away because your client is in a wheelchair and they can't make the trip. Yeah, sure. No problem. We would be happy to do that without charging me anything extra. So you That's might not even have to drive to another city. Find out if that dealer will deliver. And sometimes even if you've got to pay a couple, you know, two, three hundred bucks, that may be worth it for you not to have to take the time and the gas money to make that road trip yourself. So always ask for a home delivery, even, even yeah. if they're in town. <laughs> That's great advice. Well, you know what, to not have to leave your home and whatever you're doing and to have them bring it to you rather than you going to the dealer. That's um, also not a bad thing. So let's talk about uh, where things are going because, you know, we're, we've, we're watching prices level out. However, Prices are higher than they've ever been for on cars. everything. <laughs> on, well, on everything, but cars especially. You know, yeah. we we I just did the math, and I think the average price of a new car is up um, thirty percent from twenty twenty. In mm -hmm. just you know just three years, it's up thirty percent. That's dramatic. Whereas it just inched up from you know the I guess the early two thousands or the twenty years before it just inched up. And then all of a sudden, it, the pricing took these great leaps in the last three years. So, um, but we're starting to see the prices level off, and we're seeing a lot of competition, a lot of new cars coming into the market. So, what's your outlook for the next six months? What do you think? Uh, where do you think things are going? And we're actually kind of looking at end of year sales in uh, you know the end of December. So, what do you what do you see? Yeah, you know, for the last three years, I've been telling people my crystal ball is broken, but I'm starting to see a few fuzzy things in the cloud there. But I think we're going to see a few things. You know, one of the reasons for that dramatic increase in the new car prices that you just talked about is because of inflation and the shortages of parts, particularly the shortages of computer chips. So the dealers have to pay more, just supply and demand, right? More people, more companies want computer chips than there are available. And the amount of technology in the cars keeps going through the roof. So, you know, one car has more computer chips in it than the space shuttle did. So it's just that everything's getting more complex and the prices of those components to build the cars is really, really high. I hope we're going to see that stabilize as the chip market becomes a little more in our favor. But again, that's going to take a few more years. But some things I think we're going to see on the horizons. Yes, we've got a whole bunch of new models that are going to be going to coming out over the next year, two years. That can be very exciting. So many of them are in the electrified field. 
and that's super exciting. We're starting to see that shift and even electric cars that have been out for a year or two, but they've only been in California, New York. Now, you know, those of us in South Carolina <laughs> can actually buy them and they're going to be building some here. So that's really exciting. I also think just based on the past, and I do have a degree in economics, I just don't use it for anything, but trying to figure out what's going to happen in the car business. But moving into an election year, we typically see interest rates start to go down a little bit so that the politicians have something else to talk about. So I'm hoping that we will only get, you know, no more than one more. I'm hoping for none, but I, the Fed will probably raise rates one more time before the end of the year. But then I think hopefully we will start seeing them go down as we get into primary season next year. It's just the tie between economics and politics. Well, you know, I guess that's the upside of politics. <laughs> The one, the one, the one, the one upside the one. politics, exactly. But we may see some better sales and some good interest rates. Um, we're also seeing a little bit of a comeback in leasing. So the majority of the deals that I am seeing and I expect to continue to see as we head into the, the holiday shopping season will be low APRs and better lease deals. But we may start to see a few more rebates come into play as well. It's not going to be as great as it was in past years, but you know, but the dealers do need to sell cars as spending overall has slowed down. Yeah. So, I mean, there, even though it's not a great market, there's still a better time and worse time. And so we're looking at better times ahead, which is great. Um, and uh, uh, going back to leasing versus buying. So let me ask you this. Uh, there was a time where we were talking about if you have a leased car, buy that car because it's going to be cheaper. Is that still good advice right now if you have a lease that's coming up right now? It is, leasing is still not as good. Three years ago, which is when most people lease, if they've got a lease coming due sometime before the end of this year, they got it during the pandemic or slightly before the pandemic when leases were still really good. And so they had a good residual and you still like the car, obviously. It's not a bad idea to keep that car unless you just need or desperately want something new. It's mm -hmm. not as great of a deal. You know, a couple of years ago, people were selling their leased cars and, you know, making a killing on them. <laughs> That's settling down a little bit. But the leasing parameters themselves now, if you want to lease the same car that you leased three years ago, don't expect to get the same monthly payment or potentially anywhere close to it because the leasing companies are still kind of hedging their bets on residuals and the money factor, which is leasing's equivalent of an interest rate. Those are still more in the fives and sixes as opposed to the near 0%, which good lease rates typically were in the past and hopefully will be again. <laughs> right. And, but it still is always a good idea, no matter the market, to look at the uh, the buyout, what, what it would cost you to buy that car and what it would cost you to buy the comparable car, same miles and the same features uh, if it was used. So, you know, and will you be able to make money on that, especially if you like the car? And I will say I've done that. I bought out my lease and kept the, you know, figured, you know what, I like the car. I might as well keep it for a few more years. Um, and it ended up, you know, getting a pretty good deal on it. And uh, and keeping the car, I kept the car. I think I ran it into the ground actually. <laughs> Two hundred and some odd thousand miles on it, and then it was towed off to uh, somebody who was going to rebuild it. So um, so yeah, it's uh, that for me. It was a good. It was the right thing to do. 
And I think for a lot of people, it can be, and people tend to think, oh, I need, because they get pressure from a dealer who wants to put them in another lease, they get pressure right. to, because <laughs> the dealer wants to get that car off the lot, right? So right. Uh, let me ask you about, let's talk about electrics for a minute, because okay. they, so the electric market, another thing that kind of, it, it breaks my heart a little bit because there's so many great electric cars, but they're so expensive. Why are they mm -hmm. so expensive? A combination of things. Some of the electric cars are more of your high-end brands and they are targeting a more affluent market. And nothing because this technology is new. So we know what happens when new technology comes out. You know, you and I remember, you know, when... <laughs> VHS and Betamax came out. <laughs> oh, wow. DVDs are the newest thing. Anytime a new technology comes out, it's expensive because we're still figuring it out. But as it evolves, it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So that electric cars are just like any other technology. As they go along, they will continue to get cheaper. One thing that the industry is doing that's going to help with that is that not every manufacturer is building their own electric platform from scratch. That just doesn't make any sense. Why should we have, you know, all these different groups basically trying to invent a wheel independently? Mm -hmm. So they're partnering with each other to leverage the technology. And that is going to make the prices go down and is going to increase quality in theory mm -hmm. because you've got less people trying to develop it independently so i am excited about that but it's just it's a new technology they're still working out the bug so yeah you'll pay a higher price there's still some that have been out for a while like the nissan leaf those are not expensive granted they're not particularly swanky either and they have a shorter range but yeah you know it's gonna it's going to get better especially as the supply chain for all the parts i mean you think your regular car has a lot of computer chips look at an electric car it's one yeah. big computer chip on wheels so the, the nissan leaf to me is like the epitome of efficiency you know oh, yeah. it's compact it's small it has a shorter range I mean, it's got a lot of great features, but you have to really be able to live your life in a smaller space to <laughs> make that car work for you. But it is very, same with the Chevy Bolt, you know, also very efficient in terms of space. And I guess that has, that one has a longer range and maybe a little more interior space, but it is a small car and you, and you really need to live in a place where that works for your life. It doesn't work for everybody, but um I, you know, I'm hoping that these that these uh, electrics, especially all the building in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, um, Alabama, I believe there's a, mm -hmm. a lot of plants being built by quite a few automakers. Tennessee as well uh, mm -hmm. will help to in the few, next few years bring down the price of some of these things with the federal tax incentives. And uh, and there are incentives on used electric cars, too, which is kind of interesting to know um, something that I just discovered and I'm super excited about. It has me thinking about buying a used electric car. Um, can, do you, is, can you tell us a little bit about that? I have not gotten, I have not bought one in a while since the infrastructure um, and 
I call it the anti-inflation bill, <laughs> inflation <laughs> reduction bill passed that had right. renewed a lot of these tax credits. So I am not as familiar with exactly how they work on the used ones. I know on new electric cars, and I imagine it's probably similar for the used, but it's not everyone. There's caps on the price, the MSRP of the car. There are caps mm -hmm. on what your family income can be. It's really designed to help those of us that are not millionaires <laughs> buy these electric cars that, that are more expensive, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. And, and there, so there are a lot of caveats. The, the best thing to do is to go to irs.gov and go directly to the source. They lay it out pretty clearly and also talk to your accountant. You know, I am not an accountant. I don't play one on TV. And so I always talk with my clients. Have you discussed this with your accountant? Yeah. Make sure we know. Or the accountant calls me and says, so my, my client wants to buy this. Can you help us? I'm trying to make sense of it. Here's the list, but I don't understand how that relates to the market. So it yeah. definitely has to be a, a joint effort. <laughs> well, I think that goes for all of the tax incentives because they people talk about them as if they're a discount off the top of the car and they're not. No. It is less tax that you have to pay at the end of the year. So it's one of those things that you 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 buy the thing and you're paying full price paying full price paying full price and you get a you get a little help somewhere else along the line but you don't necessarily feel it when you pay, make that payment every month so right. it's something to really consider um you know in your over you have to really look at your overall financial picture um, right. and your rate talk to your accountant so <laughs> last question last question um <clears throat> so two brands have been doing something kind of surprising quietly over the last couple of years, but with the introduction of two new cars that are coming out this year, um, really putting themselves squarely in a new place. And that is Hyundai and Kia. So both of these brands have distinctly gone more in the uh, trend of, of delivering, building and delivering premium cars instead of budget cars. And with the Hyundai Santa Fe and the Kia EV9, which is a three row electric SUV, mm -hmm. both of these brands went big, they went square, they're going adventure, they're going all in on what is the premium highest price category of cars <laughs> and the three-row SUV. Yeah, the three-row SUV, it's like the brass ring of the car business. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and so, and of course, really important to us because almost all of our readers, like that's the number one question we get is about three-row SUVs. You that's that's my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's that we talk about it all day long. And so with these two brands, Looking at the new Hyundai Santa Fe and looking at the Kia EV9, um, what, is it feasible? Is it possible for these brands to change that perception from budget to luxury? What do you see? What kind of feedback do you see when you talk about these brands with your clients? Absolutely. And their shift from where they entered the market as these super econo boxes, super cheap, but hey, we're gonna give you a long warranty to build trust with you. They have been really, I'd say over the last decade, they have been changing their brand. And, and Hyundai started it with kind of pushing the Genesis into its own Highline brand. And I've just been so impressed with 
everything that they have done and how they have done it. And so I don't have the issue. People still have a little more iffiness with Kia. They still associate Kia with, you know, kind of small econo boxes, but the Telluride pretty much changed that because everybody's like, whoa, what is this? And now with the electrics, you know, on the Hyundai side, they've got the Ionic, which I like to call the Ionique 5 and the Ionique like 6. <laughs> you know, it just sounds so much better. And, you know, Kia Everything Z6. sounds better in French. <laughs> right, yeah, Target, I see it all the time. So, and they have, I've always told people, you get so much bang for your buck with Hyundai and Kia. And even before the electrics with when the Palisade and the Telluride came out, I have had some clients that, hey, I need a three-year-old SUV. We're looking at the Mercedes. We're looking at the BMW. We're looking at the Audi. You know, they had a budget of $80,000. And I said, that's great. You can look at those, but I want you to look at a Palisade calligraphy trim, you know, for $50,000 instead of $80,000. Just tell me what you think. And after they come back from their test drives, they're like, Oh my God, we want the Hyundai. I'd never thought I'd say that. I want the Hyundai. So, you know, if if you're not kind of designer brand sensitive, <laughs> if you don't have mm -hmm. to have that designer label on it all day long, I would take a Hyundai over a lot of your Highline cars any day of the week. And the 10 year warranty is a, even a bigger bonus. So I've been impressed with what they've done when they entered the market, even as econo boxes. They did it very strategically. They learned from what Honda and Toyota did when they first came into the markets, you know, back in the 60s and 70s with their cheap little Econo boxes. And they have learned from those mistakes and the successes. And they have been able to bring their brand up to, I would put Hyundai's and Kia's, you know, right up there, you know, with Honda's any day now. And yeah. so I love them. They're some of my favorite brands. And I buy, I buy a lot of those cars, a lot. For my clients yeah well you know i'm with you the the quality is incredible um their commitment is incredible they are hyundai is now at over 10 percent market share in this country i'm not which surprised is stunning stunning and yeah i'm not surprised either but it's still that's huge i mean you think mm -hmm. about you know a company like volkswagen that has been here forever um and such a you know major player around the world and and uh when they had the diesel scandal, they were only at 4% market share. I think they're a little <laughs> bit bigger than that now, but they're not as big as Hyundai. And which is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. I, I'm gonna double check that, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's true. Um, but it's incredible, the inroads that Hyundai and Kia have made, um, so, you know, building, building a clientele. What, um, tell me what your experience is with their dealers, because their dealers, when they started were selling econo boxes and they were you know very often located in places where um real estate was not as expensive and <laughs> um and set up to loan money to people who couldn't afford other cars so have their dealers evolved a along with the brand in terms of that premium appeal and approach they're working on it and it is something that Hyundai and Kia are, they have a program for their franchisees to do that. So I have been seeing, at least here in Charlotte, you know, our some of our Hyundai stores have moved. And part of that's just because the way Charlotte is growing, it's just ridiculous. But they've been building more upscale dealerships. And part of that is because 
the Genesis brand now requires certain higher standards. You, know, you can't sell a Genesis out of, you know, an old crappy looking, pardon my French, you know, dealership. Everything and, sounds better in French. <laughs> everything sounds better in French. So <laughs> I can say that in French too. Um, but a lot of it also, what needs to evolve next, in my opinion, is the training because some of the dealers, and I see it more on the Kia side than the Hyundai side, but both, you still are kind of getting a, some sales approaches, let's say, that are not as customer experience friendly mm. <laughs> as they yeah. could be. I'm seeing, you know, much better with Hyundai. Hyundai's, you know, hey, you know, we'll bring the car to you for a test drive. We'll do home deliveries. They've been doing that, you know, much more than Kia has. But they're kind of trying to slot, you know, Kia here and Hyundai maybe here, you know, with Genesis being up here, they're kind of shuffling that around. Um, but they're definitely doing a lot better, but it still varies from dealer to dealer. And that's true across any brand, depending on what that dealership group's training and customer experience philosophy is. You know, mm -hmm. I have my dealers that I love working with. They do a great job. It's a great customer experience for both me and my clients. And I bring a lot of business to them. And then I have some dealers that I wouldn't buy a lawnmower from. So <laughs> that's just the nature of the car business. But right. at least we're seeing some concerted effort from the manufacturers to up-level their brands and the brand experience for customers. It's better. It's getting better. It's more expensive. So it should get better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Leanne. I always love to see you. And you always look so beautiful in your pink. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Our pink. I like it. I like it. I almost wore pink today, too. And then I decided not to. But, uh, I don't know. Do you get comments when you go out in pink? I, I do. People are like, it's so beautiful. Well, now, thanks to the Barbie movie, there's everything's going to be pink. We will have no trouble finding pink things to wear for the next few years. <laughs> and that's a good thing. I like it. I like Me it. Too. I like it. <laughs> so thank you again for being with us. And we will drop a link in the comments to your class. Um, you're uh, buying it. Tell me the name, uh, the name of your class again, your course. Yeah, it, it's the Car Chicks No BS Car Buying Course. <laughs> No BS car buying course. Okay. And, and carbuyingcourse.com and I'll send you that link. <laughs> no BS car buying course in French. <laughs> yeah, do, I do have to say that it's, uh, it is rated PG 13. We have a, a, a word that one of my clients coined <laughs> that is a little French, shall we say. Um, okay. that we use in it so but oh, just good. a little that's, bit <laughs> that, that's a nice teaser to make me open the course <laughs> <laughs> it's, in the, it's it. in the free intro video so you'll know what word but I, i'm grateful okay, to one of my clients for coining that <laughs> awesome that's fantastic thank you so much for being with us thanks Always for having me you. and uh we'll see you again soon thank you sounds great thank you scotty So everything sounds better in French. I love that. I love her. Uh, she's so funny and I love how she's always laughing, but I also think everything does always sound better in French. <laughs> and I can't wait to see this course. I think that is so wild buying a car like a pro. That's pretty cool. I can't wait to see it either because there are so many things that you know dealers are not telling you the truth about or maybe trying to get you to not not look here look over here uh so those sort of hidden gotchas or 
um, or just, you know, just the, the blunt truth. Are they really telling you the truth? Will they, would they lie to you to sell you a car? Hmm. <laughs> I think so. So I'm excited to see her advice in this course as well. Yes. Thank so, you. yeah. Well, it's also good to know that even though there's a auto worker strike on, that all is not lost. And even though that the marketplace has been so disrupted over the last couple of years, and it may not, it still may be uneven and disrupted going forward, that you're not going to be victimized because just because you need to buy a car. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Connie, thanks for joining me uh, to for this chat with Leanne. That was really fun. Thank you for joining us for the What Drives Her podcast, which is a production of A Girl's Guide to Cars. Me, Scotty Reese, and Connie Peters. Edited by Stephanie Howard. Music by Envato. Please subscribe here to get all of our podcasts. You'll also be able to see this on YouTube. Be, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, follow along on social media, and of course, at a girlsguidecars.com. Thank you. See you next time.